The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Piercing Wizard Podcast. Uh, This week, I I think I've had my fill of daith piercings, doth piercings, however you want to pronounce it. I'm working on uh, a brand new class, Daith Piercings. I say Daith Piercings. Some people say Doth Piercings. Uh, there's a whole thing that I went into um, in, the, in the class talking about where the name came from. Maybe I'll talk about that on another episode, but not for now, because I'm so sick to death of Daith Piercings. Uh, I offered a whole bunch of discounts on clients, uh, you know, no piercing fee, jewelry only kind of thing uh, for people to come in and for me to get some different uh, Daith Piercing videos. And I did, normally, you know, I'll, I'll do bottom-up on some styles, top-down on some styles, but I'm almost always using a, a receiving tube and a standard two-inch needle, maybe a slight bend on the needle, but nothing super fancy, no, like, balloon animal shapes or anything like that. But I wanted to have a little bit of diversity for the videos that I was going to show in Russia, so I tried some three-inch needles with this uh, this kind of, I guess, S-bend, some piercers call it. Um, I learned that off of uh, a Malaysian piercer named Hawaii that uh, came out to shadow at my shop, and I learned a few things off of Hawaii. I, I'd seen people bend those S-needles, but I had never really done it myself to the point where it felt comfortable in my hand, uh, even though I've seen it done over and over again. But uh, Hawaii showed me a, a really simple, intuitive way. So I thought, this makes sense, I'll, I'll try it. Uh, and, you know, not the best results when I did it. Uh, they came out okay. I think the piercings were placed fine. The piercings will heal great. But it's one of those, like, picky, perfectionist piercer kind of things where it just didn't feel smooth. Uh, so I'll, I'll still use the videos as teaching examples in Russia, but it's not something that I'm probably going to put online. Maybe in, like, one of the private forums or something like that, but I'm not going to put it on my, my YouTube channel or anything. But sick to death of, of Dave piercings. Uh, I, I did a whole bunch of the shop yesterday too, just on just regular clients. And, uh, I, I could use a little variety, you know, maybe switch it up a little bit, maybe do a, I don't know, something else today. I'm recording this on a Saturday morning. I expect it to be pretty busy today. Uh, I have some, some more piercers that are coming to shadow today. Uh, and, and, you know, hopefully it'll be a good variety, but who knows? Um, my guest this week is Jason King. So for the people out there who already know who Jason King is, uh, get some paper and a pen and you'll want to take notes on some of this stuff. Uh, Jason and his wife, Tisha own 23rd street body piercing in Oklahoma city. And I, I, you know, I, I don't really think I've ever heard of another shop anywhere in the world that's busier than 23rd Street. Uh, I know some of the numbers are going to sound ridiculous when we talk about it in the interview, but, uh, you know, doing more than 100 piercings in a day is not unusual for that shop. Um, a, A crazy peak day in a peak season could be 150 piercings in one shop in one day. 
usually spread between two or three piercers at least with probably that many encounter staff and, and all this other like support crew in the shop. So uh, we talk about how you can physically do those kinds of numbers on a consistent basis. I, I know there are plenty of shops where they just had an awesome day during tax season or they ran a special or something like that and maybe they, they knocked out a crazy amount of piercings in a day but it's a special event kind of day. 23rd Street special event kind of days are their like average days, basically. So we talk about just how it's possible, um, what kind of logistics have to go into it, what kind of workflow goes into it. So if you're a body piercer and you're in uh, a higher volume shop, whatever you would define as a higher volume shop, one of the really important things that Jason talks about is uh, you have to kind of create your own formula. Sometimes when piercers hear, oh, we did 150, not we as, you know, Jason's we, the 23rd Street we, uh, did 150 piercings in a shop, they think, well, how I am doing body piercing in my shop, it would not be possible to offer 150 services in a day safely. But they do it. Uh, they have specialty cleaning staff. Uh, their counter staff is very well trained. Their body piercers have very specific tasks in a, in a very specific order, and they they make it happen. And it's just nuts thinking about the, the the sheer volume of it. Like in a month, you know, thinking about doing, I don't know, thousands of of piercings potentially. Uh, so I, I I don't know how that's possible, but. Uh, Jason can do it, and uh, his his crew at 23rd Street, his wife Tisha, uh, they they make that magic happen somehow. So um, listen in and uh, take some notes and really pay attention because we talk a, a lot about just different common business strategies. One he talks about is uh, just this concept of minding the store. It's the simplest thing when you think about it. Uh, sometimes you can win by default just by being a, a, a professional and and maintaining your ethics. Uh, sometimes it's a low bar for professionalism in uh, in the body art industry. A lot of people maybe party a little bit too hard, or maybe have some uh, some loose definitions of client relations. So uh, we we kind of just talk about stuff like that. So for for me, as I said, I'm getting ready to head to Russia as I record this. I'm going to be leaving in about eight days. Uh, I think I've got pretty much everything all set for it. I'm I'm doing some like little aesthetic touches on my date class. That's the last one, but everything else is uh, is done. I sent my septum class and my tongue class over to Jane Absinthe. Uh, Jane was on the episode within the last week or two, uh, part of the, the VPP, the German organization. Uh, Jane is Russian, and she helped me out with some of the translation, the septum class, the tongue class. Uh, the tongue class has a, a handout, so those will be in, uh, in Russian for the attendees, which I think will be really, really beneficial. Uh, the navel piercing class, that's going to just be in English, but it's mostly pictures, and I'll be doing some description, uh, I'd imagine, through a translator. And the date piercing class, I have a ton of variety. The The same thing I did for the lip piercing class, I, I put out a message and just said, hey, if you want to contribute to the class, throw some some content in the comment section. I got a, like a tidal wave of date piercings, like hundreds of pictures. Uh, so I'm going to put those together in uh, a nice slideshow video, and I'll run that for the attendees just so they can see all the different varieties of, uh, of date piercings out there. You know, the placements are usually going to be pretty similar, but, you know, all the different jewelry styles and all the different techniques people use to put it in, it's it's really a, it's just, you know, it's a cool piercing, uh, seeing a hundred different ways to do it correct and have it look awesome. So that'll be kind of cool for diversity. Um, the, the problem when you see uh, a very large cross-section of the piercing industry, something like date piercings, and you say the word diversity, 
Uh, sometimes you might think like, oh yeah, this one's got a, a CBR, this one's got a clicker, this one's got this, this one's got that. But one thing, like I, I really want body piercers out there listening, uh, especially you know when you're cranking out that content for Instagram, Facebook, your websites, different classes you're you're teaching, different whatever you know the stuff on your business card, all that stuff. Diversity means a lot more than the what fancy jewelry you put in it. Uh, a lot of white skin, a lot, a ton of white skin uh, looking at these pictures, very few uh, black and brown skin uh, individuals. So really think about diversity when you're doing this stuff. Don't just fixate on this is a really expensive piece of jewelry. I want to put this online and I want to show off to other body piercers. You got to think there are customers and potential customers out there and human beings out there, and they are diverse. You're going to have different shapes and sizes and colors and ethnicities and everything, you know, so you want to represent that. You don't want to just be the world's best uh, white person piercer. You want to be a body piercer for everybody and you want to reflect that in your advertising and what kind of information you put out there in the world. So when you have those clients that have that beautiful dark skin, uh, take pictures of that. Even if it's not the world's most impressive piece of jewelry or the most impressive body piercing, you want to have a little bit of diversity. And I'll challenge anybody listening to this, if you feel somehow offended by me saying that the there are too many white people represented in, in body piercing, uh, go to your own Instagram page. Go to the Instagram pages for body piercers that you like and respect. And I'm not saying it's a negative and I'm not saying there's there's inherent racism there or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is uh, maybe take that extra second to go out of your way and take a picture of something that you would consider a basic piercing or a basic piece of jewelry uh, if it can help be representative for who the piercing is on and show to other body piercers, to other clients, to other jewelry representatives, to everybody related to the industry and the people who are interested in our industry that body piercing is for everyone. It's not just for white girls. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not the same cookie cutter thing every single time. So you really want to show that and show that diversity in your portfolios and your materials. Uh, really quick before I get into the episode, uh, you know I have to do my plugs. I've got a lot of classes coming up, um, and, and I, I think uh, not so much overdoing it territory, but really close to overdoing it territory. Uh, I still have some spots available for my uh, July 8th class in Dallas, Texas. So if you're interested in that, if you want to come to Dallas, uh, it's a reasonably cheap flight. I picked Dallas because it's got a giant airport, so it's reasonably easy, reasonably easy to get there if you're flying in, because Texas is a gigantic state. Uh, if you want to drive in, it's accessible from a lot of different cities. But Dallas, Texas, I've got plenty of open spots for that understanding and applying freehand piercing techniques seminar. Uh, I'm going to be going to Amsterdam on July 15th. I do have some spots available for that. I think I've got maybe two or three spots, two or three people that I can fit into Amsterdam before I'm going to hit the limit. Uh, and then I've got some other just cool stuff coming up. So at the end of the summer, uh, I'm going to do, I think, four four seminars in a week, uh, basically. So I'm going to be doing a class on Sunday, September 1st in the Chicago area. And then I think I'm going to potentially be doing maybe a, maybe a private seminar at a shop. I might be opening that up to other people um, outside of that, that shop staff on uh, Monday, September 2nd. But I don't really have anything to announce for that yet because it might end up being a private event. Uh, and then before that, actually, a week before that, I'm going to be in Maryland. So I'm going to be going out to Freya, uh, Matt Bonantono, that's always a hard name to say, who was uh, on the, the show twice so far. Once when I went out and taught a class when he was uh, operating a piercing business in someone else's shop. And then uh, I'm going to be 
uh, going back to his new shop, Freya, which he also did an episode on a few weeks back talking about uh, how, you know, the, the different things that go into opening a new shop in, in this day and age when you want to open like a AAA kind of a studio. So I'm going, uh, I'm going there, I'm doing a class at Freya, and I think sometime uh, between driving from New Hampshire to Maryland, I'm going to be stopping at uh, another shop in the New Jersey area, doing a private studio uh, seminar there. So it's a lot. Uh, I'm going to be doing Maryland uh, and New Jersey on that one trip. I'm going to be doing Chicago and potentially somewhere else in Illinois on the trip the, the following week. And then I think one or two weeks after that, I'm going to BMX net in Germany. So uh, I'm going to have a really busy couple of weeks towards the uh, the end of the summer, beginning of the fall. Uh, and then I'm going to be working on a couple other classes. I'm going to be doing Fort Myers, Florida. I'm going to be doing Tiger Lotus. Uh, that's John Robertson's shop. I'll be doing that sometime in October, uh, probably close to Halloween, because while I'm out in Florida, I want to go and see that uh, Haunted Horror Nights or whatever it's called at Universal Studios, where they trick it all out like a like movie quality haunted house. So I'm going to be going out to Florida sometime in October and try to wrap that into the trip. Uh, I've got a couple others. Min uh, Minneapolis has been bubbling up quite a bit, so I'm going to be trying to focus on uh, getting a, a venue there and, and doing that class. So a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars, get info there. You can follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook, and you can get a lot of info there. Uh, all kinds of stuff just rolling along. It never ends, really. So anyway, let's get into this week's interview with uh, Jason King from 23rd Street. And as a special bonus, uh, stick around after that. This is kind of a shorter interview with Jason. It runs about a half an hour. Um, after that, I've got a special little bonus clip of Australian piercer Jess Rose talking about her experience at the APP conference. So stick around after this interview with Jason King. Okay, so uh, we are in Las Vegas at the APP conference, mm -hmm. and I've been asking for people to give me suggestions, and I, I wanted to interview you for a while anyway, but a lot of people drop your name because they, they want to know, is it like a special sauce or a secret as to like why you have, how you have one of the busiest piercing studios, not just in the US, but really in the world, and talking a little bit about how you got it there. So introduce yourself first. Hi, I'm, I'm Jason King. I'm the owner of 23rd Street Body Piercing. I've been piercing since 1991, and actually it's the Christmas of 1990, but yeah, 91, and opened our studio in 95. And I, I honestly believe that our success has been a confluence of events. First off, um, getting in at the right time. Mm -hmm. you know, that is not something smart that I did. That is purely coincidental. Yeah. So getting in when we got in, um, but some of it is going to sound bad and here goes the bad part. So the bad part is that a lot of this industry has problems with drugs and alcohol Sure. and, um, performing better than those people. It's, it's easy. Right. So, um, from a competitive point of view, um, if you're, you know, I, I drink, I'm not sober, but I'm not an alcoholic, mm -hmm. you know, I don't really do drugs, but so it's what we call minding the store. And if your mind is not there, you're not minding the store mm -hmm. period. You know, um, the other thing, um, is something that my grandfather, who was my hero, my personal hero growing up was my grandfather. And he once told me when I was very young that you need to do the right thing even when no one's looking. Mm -hmm. So how that translate into a piercing shop is 
you know, using the best jewelry, even though the profit's way better with the cheap Korean stuff. Right. You know, so if I buy, uh, you know, uh, an American-made ASTM certified barbell, mm-hmm. it's ten bucks. You know, eight to ten bucks. If I buy something from Korea, it's a it's a quarter. You know, those other places in town are selling that quarter barbell for fifteen bucks, and I'm selling mine for twenty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah. the profit margin is definitely way better with the cheap stuff. Yeah. But I, I do also notice a trend of some piercers who they want to rush into that club of, of slinging all this gold and sometimes they cut corners by putting it on a bad backing because they think that nobody's looking at that part so nope. it's not important. It's doing the right thing even when no one's looking. Right. Um, also, that's, you know, if if you didn't quite nail it, calling it, you know, no mm. one likes admitting that they made a mistake or that they were wrong. Yeah. Um, but they have to leave with the best product possible. Sure, because it, it's all about repeat business and, and recommendations. But yeah, as far as longevity goes. Longevity, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Building the clientele. So, you know, we just celebrated our 24 years being open, and we're piercing the children of original mm. clients. Yeah. And, you know, those original clients trust us because over the years we've continued to provide the best that, that we can. Yeah. So, you know, it's, like I said, confluence of events, beautiful timing. Mm-hmm. That was just sheer dumb luck. It has nothing to do with me being an awesome businessman. I'm sure there's probably a little bit. Yeah, and Tish, what she brought to the table was she had stunned retail before. Mm-hmm. So I was good with the technical stuff, but she was good with systems, making sure that things work the way they're supposed to work as yeah. far as cash registers and, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's... Longevity and honesty oftentimes go hand in hand, mm-hmm. and being an on an honest studio is is good. You know, yeah. if you find that your employees are are doing something wrong, you know it sucks to fire people, but you gotta do it. Right, you have to maintain your integrity and your yeah. brand and all that. Yeah, if you find somebody's being skeezy on your clients, mm-hmm. dating your clients, hooking up with your clients, right, man, that's that's bad right you know yeah. so because those people once they're aren't fucking around anymore don't come into your shop anymore because yeah. they don't want to run into that person mm-hmm. so it's just a it's just a lot of things and you know minding the store minding the store minding the store you got to be there you know that's a lot of owners once they kind of get the shop where they want to be they check out yeah you know we still work counter shifts Almost every day. Really? Yeah, because if something gets sideways, yeah. the counter is where you see it first. Sure, sure, definitely. You know? So at what point did it go from being a, a healthy business to like a, well, we really have some momentum here? Immediately. Really? Yeah. It was. Yeah. We were open... I remember the first day we made $700, grossed $700. And, I, you know, out of college, I'd been living on 400 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. A month. Yeah. You know, so I was good at being frugal. And reinvesting in the business has always been very easy to me. You know, I don't take a huge paycheck at all. I mm-hmm. take the same that I've been taking for 15 years, yeah. you know. And, um, yeah, reinvest, you know, do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Expand yeah. the jewelry, bring Expand in the staff. Expand the jewelry, yeah. That's I think some shops, some, some shops think, uh, well, you know, I'm... I'm just getting by right now, so why would I reinvest in the shop? Why would I bring in new staff? And they don't understand that that's how you grow a business. The the whole phrase, spend money to make money, is completely out. I mean, like, if 
if you know some of your listeners haven't gotten on the gold train yet you know yeah bringing gold in mm-hmm. is insanely expensive but it's what's happening right sure, now. So sure, sure. It's what clients want at this point right. too, because that's what they see. Yeah. So yeah. minding the store also means you know keeping your eye on the trends mm-hmm. and making sure that you know I'm 49 year old white male. Um, my eye for the trends is definitely in the past. Mm-hmm. So hiring people that have a good eye for the trends yeah. is how I do that. And it's another time when some some shop owners go wrong. They hold such a stranglehold on everything that they want to be the one even doing an Instagram page. And it's like, well, yeah, but you don't know what's hot and what's fresh. And right. I did that. I started to hand a lot of those responsibilities to my other peers. I am the poster boy of not knowing what's fresh. And there's so much better at it than I am. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just just so people kind of know, if, they, if they're not already familiar with your shop, what would you say... Uh, amount of piercings, amount of services in a day. What's an average day? What time of year? Well, what, what's your peak season? Like, are you at February, your college, March, April? No, no, no. We're a, no, okay. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma City has a college in it, but Oklahoma State and uh, University of Oklahoma are uh, twenty minutes and an hour and fifteen minutes respectively. Okay. So um, we are not a college town, but income tax returns mm. is by far and away. February, March, April, if it right. was like that all the time, I'd live in Hawaii. So right? what's what's like a, the crazy day in March? Oh, the crazy day in March. Um, man, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say because I feel like people, when I say a number and it's so far out there to most shops, what they're doing is they're judging how could I possibly do the numbers that I do with the protocols and procedures Safely, that sure. they no that oh. they that they use. Oh right, right, right. You know, so it's it's seeing, you know, this huge number through the lens of how you do things at your own mm-hmm. shop. And just understanding that um, we are appropriately staffed and you know mm-hmm. a, so a, a a super busy day will be like hundred and fifty piercings. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But no one gets shorted on information. Mm-hmm. No one gets shorted on time. Yeah. Um, and you know, so it's, it's just finding choke points and getting rid of those. I would argue that if somebody is waiting 45 minutes for a piercing, that's not good customer service. Mm -hmm. So getting rid of those things that makes it to where a client is sit around waiting for that long, you know, so on a day like that, we'll have, you know, three counter people, three piercers. We're getting ready to make a fourth piercing room and a fourth piercer because, 150 is too much for three people. Sure. You know, but also a piercer at my shop, you know, if you say, oh, hello, how are you? Oh, what do you want to get pierced? Let's look at jewelry. Okay, let's do this release form. Come back to the back. Let me get you cleaned and marked. You know, let me do the piercing. Let me go over aftercare with you. Sign your receipt. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. You know, if one person does that, 20 piercings is an insane amount of work. Oh, yeah. That's that's my day-to-day. Yeah. You know, I have I have some counter staff, but I'm, I'm in it with each client. Right. Yeah. So um, we break up the responsibilities. Our counter people, the, the front half of my shop is every bit as important as the back half. Mm-hmm. So my counter people, um, we give them the tools that they need to do everything from, you know, the greeting to... You know, the piercer coming up, grabbing that clipboard and going back. Mm -hmm. So the piercer doesn't have to pull their own jewelry. 
the counter has done that. We've taught them how to do that. Um, they do most assessments as far as pierceability goes. Mm -hmm. If they have a question, they will definitely make it to where a piercer comes up and looks at it. But for the most part, with the volume that we do, mm -hmm. um, our piercer, our counter people see that stuff enough. So yeah. it's empowering those counter people and then having enough of those counter people mm -hmm. to help and then choking out the, the choke points in the procedures. Sure, sure. With with counter staff that's that well-trained and that mm -hmm. versatile with it, do you ever have issues where they maybe want to step up into that piercer role, but there isn't necessarily the role so or the interest when, for that? When I say that the front of the house is every bit as important as the back of the house, mm -hmm. part of the hiring process when we hire counter people is there are no illusions mm -hmm. that this is going to lead to an apprenticeship. Yeah, you're hired for this task. We are hiring for this task. Yeah. It will not lead to that task. Mm -hmm. You might be able to go someplace else. I mean, 23rd Street Body Piercing is a big enough name yeah. that if one of my counter people said, I want to go do an apprenticeship, they could probably find an apprenticeship someplace mm -hmm. because they've already got a huge knowledge base of right. very relevant information. Yeah. It really would yeah. be just training how to push a needle. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, so we start with the hiring process by not leading on that mm. this is going to be something more. Yeah. And, um, you know, Andy is a perfect example. My, my front of house manager, um, you know, he wanted to do an apprenticeship, has always wanted to do an apprenticeship, you know, but it'll never happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other thing is that my clients expect the best in an apprenticeship by its very nature you're practicing on somebody. Yeah. So we really only hire piercers that already have you mm -hmm. know five ten years experience and i've struggled with that myself too I've, i have trained some people but they've been incredibly long two three four years because i same thing oh, and you're there for all of it yeah yeah so yeah. i mean this it's a little different in a in a sort of you know um a slower shop that you know how you're taking care of a client from what we call cradle to grave when mm -hmm. they walk in the door to when they walk out the door um you know if 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 that's the apprenticeship then that makes sense yeah um, for us, we can't do that. Right. You know, we just, right. we don't have the time. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, the expectation from our clients is, is a certain way too. And sure. Since we can't Well, I don't think you'd be able to have somebody without a good amount of experience that could physically handle a day where you're not even talking about 50 in a day numbers, but like even 20 in a day numbers for yeah. someone without years of experience right. is going to be really difficult. Something is going to go wrong. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So. You know, we take piercers that have, have already um, worked through the issues that they're going to have, and then we polish them mm -hmm. and, you know, put them into how we do things. And, you know, whenever I have piercers that are guest piercers that are shop owners that are incredulous of how we're going to do these numbers, um, once they come and they work, they're like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, cause I, mean, I, I can I can visualize it if it's like as simple as... Hello, you, you've already got the yeah. jewelry chosen. They, you they've already up, checked you your grab anatomy. A clipboard, yeah. You call out the name. You you shake Hello, a hand. My name is Mark What's your Clean name? Pierce. Mark Clean Pierce. Yep. Um, you know we have an aftercare video going on in the lobby. Mm -hmm. um, but then the piercer, you know, hits over the aftercare one more time to yep. make sure it's it's doubled up, mm -hmm. and that's that. And it's you know it can be an eight minute nostril if you know if you're using something like a nostril screw that doesn't require a bunch of extra steps mm -hmm. you know but 10 15 minutes is really all you know unless you're doing doubles and triples of things sure or something that takes really 
precise yeah, care yeah, for marketing yeah, or I something. Mean, yeah. You know, uh, an industrial is an industrial, mm-hmm. and that doesn't get done in eight minutes ever. Right. right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's just, you know, having the right, or right amount of staff, having the staff trained to do the job that they do, mm-hmm. um, getting rid of the choke points. You know, one of the things that we didn't even think about for the longest time is, you know, getting another point of sale you know another register another so nobody's waiting to pay right yeah you know because mm-hmm. every little thing like that mm-hmm. you know you you shave minutes here and there and that all adds up oh you i'm know, sure after 24 yeah, years that kind of, of volume shaving minutes here and there mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it started you asked earlier you know when did, when did it shift gears it's been in a constant shifting of gears it's always you know short of when there are huge things like 08 you know when the whole world crashed basically we've been through a couple of those now since we've been open that long but after that you know tragedy or catastrophe happens it the march Mm -hmm. to those numbers starts immediately yeah and have been since we opened you know back in 95 so what are some of the things that you would look for in a piercer do you prefer to have them come in and guest first and just make sure that they're not day one overwhelmed yeah so we we generally do sort of long-term guest spots Mm -hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that every piercer um, changes the dynamic of the studio. Mm-hmm. And it's either for the better or for the worse. And if it's for the worse, we can't do that. If it's for the better, um, you know, we have to make sure that it's not just somebody's behaving for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So we usually do several, um, either month long or one, three or four month long. And we say, look, you know, right now, um, you're not a permanent hire. This mm-hmm. is a test drive. Right. And if it doesn't work out, no harm, no you're foul. Yeah, yeah, basically. And, you know, it's it sucks for that piercer to be kind of, you know, not having the security of a job offer. Yeah. But um, it only takes one person to make everything get sideways fast. Believe me, I know. And we're in an industry full of drama, you know. so finding And big people, personalities, a lot of alphas. <laughs> well, a lot of alphas. Um, big personalities in of themselves are not bad. Um, big personalities that uh, have big personalities because they've got some underlining, you know, harm. Mm. That's that's where that becomes problematic. Yeah. You know, if you're just a big personality because you're a big personality, that that's not bad. Yeah. You know, but if you're a big personality because you're hiding, you know, what for the for the wrong reasons. Yeah. What your mom and dad did to you as a Rick child. Rick was a big personality, <laughs> was, and he seemed like a perfect fit. Yeah. No, he was a perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. We miss Rick, man. Yeah. yeah. Everybody misses Rick. Yeah. Even the people that didn't get along with Mick with Rick. Yeah. Miss Rick. Right. Yeah. No, because yeah, he was a great devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. You know, he was also a great. You know, being on your team too. Sure. You know, he was really good about thinking of other angles that maybe you hadn't thought of. Right. Right. Yeah. So, with, with the with the staff, is it something where you're always looking for new people? Do you get to a point where you have to play catch up if if somebody decides that they, they we, need some time off? We or something? do not um, have one in the chamber, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't do that. Uh, for two reasons. A, I don't want to lead somebody on that there might be a job immediately. Yeah. Um, but B, I also don't want my employees to feel like that they're a commodity. Yeah. Just you know, I mean, yes, yeah. we are doing a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. you know, especially with those kind of numbers. But um, they're not a commodity. They're a, they're a people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if they feel like the ax is over their neck all the time, yeah, it's not going to be a great environment. That's not a good environment. Yeah, yeah. They want to so, feel like they're a valued staff member. Does it 
totally suck when you're caught, you know, flat-footed mm. and somebody dies in Rick's case or, you know, splits unexpectedly. And I'm not going to throw any names out for that. But, you know, yeah, it totally sucks. Yeah. It totally sucks. And then there's that whole process of having guests come through mm. for, you know, two and three months, you know. Yeah. Ugh. Such a pain. I'm doing that with tattooers right now. I had a couple. Of tattoos. Well, yeah, that's another thing too. Is like you you run this beast of a piercing shop, and you also have to run a tattoo a tattoo business with it, and that's got to just be another stressor. Um, yeah, um, if a pirate and a stripper had a baby, <laughs> that's the average tattooer a yeah, lot of the times. Right. And it's just such a different mindset than the piercing industry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it is what it is with that though. Yeah, one of the one of the cooler things that I've heard about your shop is that uh, you've kind of taken the onus of, of cleaning off of the practitioners, and you have professional cleaning staff. Yes, so and I think that's really important to point out too. Yeah, it, um, because we want the piercers to focus on what they need to do to do piercings. Um, we have a, a crew come in at five thirty in the morning and. They clean everything, including uh, tools and stuff from the night before. So, you know, every morning when my crew comes in, it's like, you know, the shop fairy's been there. Mm-hmm. Everything's a brand new shop mm-hmm. every day. And, um, you know, they still have to package jewelry and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, we buy pre-sterilized needles now. We don't mm-hmm. make them do that because it's just a time issue. Yeah. You know, that was a choke point. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, again, in that kind of volume with those kinds of numbers, I'd imagine anything that can increase efficiency is something yeah. you need to take a really solid yeah, absolutely. look at. absolutely. Because ultimately, there is a certain amount of interaction with a client that is absolutely necessary to give a high quality experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things that cannot be abridged. They can't be made shorter. Yeah. Um, it's all the other stuff that we can do. The things you have to do to do the thing yeah. you need to do. Yeah. So make yeah. all those all those things, all the back work, mm-hmm. make that not be an issue. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's how you get to a studio that can do some higher numbers. Make mm-hmm. sure you've got enough people and make sure you got, you know, people doing the right job. And then, you know, make sure that you've gotten all those choke points gone mm-hmm. and you're focusing on just a great experience. Yeah. And that's all it is. You know, right. the way I look at it, if my clients are coming out of the rooms with smiles on their faces or laughing, perfect. Perfect, we've, yeah. We've done what we were supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, tips are a really great incentive for, for a piercer, too. Absolutely. And if they can give somebody that AAA experience, they're going to do well, a lot better for themselves, that, too. And then that's also how, you know, my piercers make a lot of money and you know, I would say easily over half of its tips, Mm -hmm. you know, easily over half. So by being able to do more services in a day, they have more opportunities because they know that client has come in, they've been treated with respect. Mm -hmm. They've gotten the jewelry that they want, you know, having a great selection of jewelry, um, you know, getting pierced by somebody that was happy to pierce them and, you know, they leave bedazzled and happy. Yeah. That's where the tips come from. And if you can do that, you know, more than two or three times a day, you can definitely increase your pay. Mm-hmm. You know? So, uh, with with something like a a hot piercing trend, uh, even if it's one that you're not ready for, because a lot of times I think shops are really aren't ready for the the wave to crash over them. It was four years before we did an anchor. Okay, four years well. of waiting to see if that was going to be a thing that yeah. would last before we finally yeah. Um, Cautious optimism is, yeah, is no. totally fine. Love it. When it's something like, uh, it, and do you say Daith or Doth in your studio? I say Doth. Okay. Yeah. So when like that 
trend really crashed down or when the triple Ford Helix was like what everybody was asking mm -hmm. for. How do you manage a trend like that? Because if you didn't have the foresight to, to plan it out weeks or months in advance to stock that jewelry, I'd imagine you already have a, a good amount of jewelry for it, but do you start to immediately start to shift towards trends for your jewelry ordering or do you kind of wait to see if it's a long-term trend? Um, we have a huge supply of the basics. Mm -hmm. So those trends um, don't necessarily catch us off guard. Yeah. Um, almost always we already have the jewelry for whatever trend is, is hot at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, the ordering of gold to meet new trends, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. And um, just trying to keep an eye on things and understanding, oh, well, we're doing a ton of these new piercings and these piercings are all going to come back and want some gold in there eventually. Yeah. What's going to work for that? Mm -hmm. So um, we just, our par levels, especially after what's been going on in the jewelry industry for the last year and a half. With the wait times blowing up. Yeah, yeah. you know, going from three weeks to, in some cases, five and six months, yeah. um, we have made our par levels astronomically mm -hmm. high, like laughably, ridiculously high. Yeah. Um, we don't want to be that shop that goes, we have this amazing selection of jewelry, but nothing to pierce you with. Mm -hmm. That's just not a thing. Right. So. Yeah, all the backings and yeah. the posts and the barbells yeah. and the rings that you need. Yep, so we keep that yeah. stuff and the new trends come and go and we have the jewelry to do it, mm -hmm. you know. Has anything has anything in the industry caught you off guard over, over the years? Like what are some of the things that have really jumped out at you? Man, uh, I'm going to say the thing that has caught me the most off guard is that, you know, I did my, uh, not even apprenticeship, my mentor was a leather daddy. Mm -hmm. Um this industry came from a very sexualized point of view and um, sort of some of the millennial, you know, sensitivity. Yeah, yeah. That's been the thing that's because, okay. you know, we were all sensitive as toilet seats mm -hmm. for decades, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm a super huggy touchy kind of person and, and really I've had to, you know, ask myself, Oh, well, hold on a second. You know, is this a person that wants to be hugged? Sure. You know, I'm not trying to force myself on anybody, but when you're used to it for so long, yeah, everybody, yeah. you know, the grab ass tomfoolery that we've done for so long, mm -hmm. and then it's like, whoa, put the brakes on there. You yeah, know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hurt somebody's feelings. I'm yeah. not trying to invade somebody's space. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a shift of mindset for me that was hard because yeah. I'm a super touchy feely guy. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, it can be really strange in a shop. I, I I'm talking I, about. In general, I'm not even oh sure yeah you know, the shop, but I'm talking about also here at APP yeah you know I'm talking the hugs about, no hugs ribbons uh, which I think is great I think that's great I too. fucking love that I hope that that's a thing every year yeah I, I have been noticing where like the, the trend for a long time was always just default hug and now it's a lot more like hey how's it going you know put your hand yeah. out and then if they want to go in for the hug yeah. they go in for the hug yeah I'm not necessarily minding that maybe we'll get. I, I, colds. I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm going to get colds. <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying that I mind it. I'm just saying that that is something. It's definitely a shock. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. It's there in the forefront right, right now. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, do you find that your your clientele has drastically changed over the the amount of time that you've oh, been in man, business? Of like course, age groups or. So I started piercing in '90, and or '91, however you want to say it, and. It was just punk rock as fuck back then, mm -hmm. you know? And that or my mentor, you know, Parker Perry, who was a leather daddy in Oklahoma City, you know, I was a straight white guy. And, like, my first few hundred piercings was all dicks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> dicks everywhere. Yeah. And um, 
so yeah, it's changed. I mean, that that whole sort of, you know, it was either a fuck you to society mm-hmm. or it was a, you know, sexual kind of thing. And yeah. now it's it's just we we're bedazzlers. You know, we bedazzle people. And I'm super cool with that. You know, I, I like being able to go to a restaurant and eat a meal without people staring at exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or not get a, stuck in the corner table or something. Oh, it didn't matter where they sat you. Everyone was just eyeballing you yeah. while you ate. And that's one of my big big pet peeves mm-hmm. I do not like people watching me while I eat yeah you know unless it's a conversation sure. or something but a table away and mm-hmm. they're fucking staring I've literally gotten uh, brought my food over to another table sat it down and just started eating staring at them and it's like wow. one of two things you know uh, I'm sorry and it's like yeah go home and slap your mother for yeah. being rude or it's like hey can I ask you a question it's like yes you can ask me a question mm-hmm. you know but please do it at the shop instead of here sure so sure yeah um, I'm kind of flummoxed for a minute. So your 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 role as educator, uh, at what point did that start? Did that start as you were kind of like leading it through your shop and then brought it into like the APP, APP no, sphere? No, honestly, or? what happened is I got elected to the APP board as vice president and the vice president's duties were so slim that I decided I was going to pick a topic mm-hmm. and and make it more understandable. Yeah. So for me... Was that I metals up, when you it started? It was materials, materials. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I taught those classes for 16, 17 years. I remember I took it many times. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was because I didn't want to feel like tits on a board, basically. I mm-hmm. wanted to feel like I was at least doing something for the organization while I was the vice president. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, with coming to conference and, and being involved for so long, what are some of the trends that you're that you're liking in the industry now? Uh, like, you know, I've talked to a couple different people, like Gus and stuff, and they were telling me what it was like those first couple of conferences and and when they started really getting engaged, and then what it is now, and then seeing it grow. So, what are, what are some of the things that kind of jump out since you've been there pretty much the whole journey? Man, I'll tell you what. Coming to conference those first ten years, you know, we were taking drinks to classes and you know, mm-hmm. catcalling and all that stuff and. The professionalism is definitely a really nice step. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I really like about conference, um, you know, there wasn't an expo initially. Right. It didn't start until a couple of years in, right? Yeah. yeah. Because there wasn't, I mean, it was a captive bead barbell, mm-hmm. circular barbell, a curve, and it yeah. might have a what stone. What would you show off? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, the way that this industry is now looking at body jewelry as fine jewelry, mm-hmm. you know, we are a jewelry store for your body. Right. And jewelry store that offers installation. Man, I love that. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's nice to see. Yeah, so professionalism and, and really, you know, in order to have nice jewelry, you have to take things seriously. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, going from this fringe, you know, either punk rock as fuck or gay as fuck <laughs> kind of thing and yeah. being a real legitimate profession. Mm-hmm. I like that. And being able to sell jewelry to almost anyone that walks through that door. Yes. I love selling a thousand dollar navel curve to a soccer mom. It makes yeah. me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Success. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is there anywhere that you would want to see the industry go or, or do you think it's going in the right direction on its own? Um, I think for the most part, it's going in the right direction on its own for, you know, you think about the last few years, um, how the demand for high quality product and high quality um, professionals, mm-hmm. um, how that's become in demand, you know, instead of looking for the cheapest shop possible. And there's still those people that are going to price shop. There always will be. Yeah. And and that's fine. You know, I'm not trying to fill every niche. Um, 
but I like seeing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I like that, and I think that the APP definitely is positioned well to ride that wave. Yeah, you know, yeah. and keep it going. Yeah. You know, forward momentum. Great, great. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to me. My, uh, my pleasure. One more time for the folks listening. Uh, where's your studio located? What's your online info? Online <laughs> uh, or the studio's online info, rather. Well, I'm I'm not online at all. So, um, so yeah, 23rd Street Body Piercing is in Oklahoma City. Uh, Probably 23rdstreetbodypiercing.com would be my guess because I don't ever do that stuff. That's <laughs> You can Google it. Well, no, I've, I, I'm not good at social media, so I've got people that are, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's, you know, what you were saying earlier about not having every hat, you know, mm. I've, I've given a lot of hats away and one of them is, is you know, the cyber stuff because, yeah. you know, the internet and social media is just not my thing. Yeah. I, I, fewer and fewer piercers are into it these days. A lot of them dip their toes in and saw what it was like and then just got right out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's a, it's a time suck for me too. Sure. Yeah, me too, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for chatting. My pleasure. That was awesome. So- Can you imagine that? Really, as a body piercer, like sit there, even pause this podcast if you have to, uh, and imagine what it would be like knowing that you're going into work and there's a reasonable assumption that you're going to do 40 or 50 piercings yourself that day. You know, regardless of what the overall shop does and the other body piercers that are on staff with you, like you as a body piercer, you know, I I can't imagine doing that much in a busy day for me in my studio, uh, 20, 25 in a day. Uh, And that's because I really like to be involved in the, the jewelry selection process and aftercare process and all this stuff you know um so like jason said it's really just because i'm putting my my pba glasses on and i'm looking at 23rd street and being like oh i I can't i can't do that but then uh i you know i don't have to be involved in all those other parts of the 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 process as a body piercer i need to handle the body piercing safely but i'm I'm sure that other staff could take care of other responsibilities in the shop Uh, it's just not the way it works in in my shop so uh big respect to 23rd street and the crew there I don't know how you do it. Even though you tell me how you do it, I still don't know how you do it. Uh, so thanks for talking to me, Jason. I appreciate that. I can tick that off of my, uh, my wish list. For this next little bit, I'm going to be talking to an Australian piercer named Jess Rose. Uh, this is just one of those random conversations that, uh, that I stumbled across in, in Las Vegas at conference. Jess wanted to pick up one of my Statum Cult shirts. Uh, I happened to be in in my room at the time. I'd been recording podcasts with other people all day. Uh, I said, yeah, come up and, and grab the shirt. And hey, do you want to sit down for a couple of minutes and, and record a little bit for the podcast? So let's get into a, a short conversation about 10 minutes long with Australian piercer Jess Rose. And I'll be back a tiny bit at the end. So first off, just kind of say <clears throat> who you are, where you're from, your mm-hmm. shop info or any social info you might, you might mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. So my name is Jess. I live in Melbourne, Australia, and I work at the Piercing Edge. Um, and my Instagram is jeweled by Jess Rose. So we're in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, how was your week? How'd you like conference? It has been amazing. It's my second year, um, and all the classes have just been really, really good. Any standouts? Um, probably the high nostril class. Was yeah. Really, really good. That was yeah, a really good one. Yeah. I thought that was like really good. I liked being able to learn all the anatomy side of it as mm-hmm. well because that was something I hadn't really seen before. And the Q-tip test to kind of see the different Yeah, was, I never would have thought of that. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, that was really, really good. Have you ever done high nostrils before? I've only done one set and was I was absolutely sweating. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I'm really excited to try it again now that 
hopefully try some different techniques and things like that as well. Yeah, I've yeah. tried a couple of different things. I wouldn't say that like I'm comfortable with high nostrils because I, I, I pierce them and I've done a few, but I only get maybe one or two clients a year for them. So mm -hmm. I don't get that many opportunities to kind of dial it in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of those things is harder to kind of get that repetition to kind of get it under your belt whereas sure. there's things like helixes where you can kind of just smash them out all yeah, day and yeah. kind of yeah a week or something yeah, yeah yeah exactly so yeah really really excited for that i did miss the septum class which i was really looking forward to which i'm a bit upset about but that's okay we still got some really other good classes in there any other ones <laughs> that jump out at you um i did like your class the which um more? i, did a few I this week. went to the piercing room yeah, all the same um, practices. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really good. Picked up a couple of new things in there. I really like cool. the um, enzymatic foam. Yeah, thing. that stuff's great. Yeah, yeah, because mm. we haven't got anything like that. We've been using liquids mostly. Mm -hmm. um, so. I did for a long time too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but the foams just make everything so much easier and more convenient. And the transportation as well. Yeah, especially safer, with tattoo tubes and being it's cheap. on the other way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that was really, really good too. Just been an awesome week and getting to meet everyone yeah. and Make that kind of friends. thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of the people I have met have been from Australia, which is strange that we've come all the way to the other side of the world to meet each other properly, but it's, it's been worth it. It's been That's good. cool. Is there yeah. any sort of like Australian piercers group or anything? We have like a Facebook group, an Australasian, um, pierces group, but we don't really do any meetups or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So seeing... Even like um, how you've got the Bay Area piercer group and things yeah, like that. It'd yeah. be really cool to kind of get something together and get it going. Is it tough with everybody basically being super spread out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes it tough because in Melbourne we've got three studios, but even then some of us are like an hour away from each other. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just all over the country. And there's only a handful of us. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that would definitely be something good that we should look into. But the industry is so different, and it's. I feel like we're very far behind. Well, in a way, <laughs> I, I think it's just because sometimes you don't have the easy access to things to move as fast as you want to move. I see it all the time in the UK too. Mm -hmm. You know, up until very recently, it was so much more money to import it and wait for it and all that stuff, and then like to build a clientele that knew what the jewelry was and were willing to pay for it was just such a slow process. Yeah, getting that education out there to make them understand yeah. when they're so used to just a swarm of fifteen dollar piercings. Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of like jewelry and stuff like that, did you get a chance to check out Expo much this year? Yeah, yeah. I um, picked up a few pieces for myself, which I was really excited about, and then today we kind of did a bit of a last minute run around for the shop mm -hmm. so we got a few few cool pieces um but yeah i didn't really get to spend as much time in there as i wanted to i got in there at the start of the week and it was very overwhelming very busy so it was hard to exactly kind of what you mean. even see anything yeah, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. really i got in uh a little early because app members get in an hour before the mm -hmm. general public so I, I went in and i thought all right it's, it's just members, I can take a lap and I can really check stuff out and then I can start buying stuff before other people come in. Mm -hmm. And I went and I checked out Sleeping Goddess because it was kind of one of the first booths when you went in. They had all these things that I thought were really amazing and that I would love to grab them from my shop. I walked around for 10 minutes and came back and half their case was just wiped out. Oh, wow. It was really, I mean, yeah. awesome for them. Yeah. Really awesome yeah. to see that kind of success. But I just don't think I want to have to like shoulder through people exactly and, like grab and fight and yeah. scratch for yeah. jewelry you know i can't do it <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too it's too nerve-wracking yeah. i like to take my time and mm -hmm. be really picky about 
colors and sizes and all mm-hmm, that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if I'm with the little end pieces, being able to really get in there and see the detailing in them. Yeah. It can be, can be, yeah, a bit tricky. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, did you... Did you end up starting any like new vendors, or were you picking out stuff from people that you were already familiar with? Because every year there's always like more and more new companies. Yeah, yeah. I think we got mostly stuff from people we already have, but we did get some stuff from Pupil Hall, which mm-hmm. was really cool because um, you can only get that expo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got some really cool pieces from them. Got quite a few chains, which I'm super excited about yeah. to start popping. Yeah, and, and their chains are really just cool. They, yeah. they, they have a really good yeah. artistic eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many nice pieces. You just want to buy everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's cool. Uh, and then you're sticking around in Vegas for a couple of days and then flying home? Yeah, yeah. So I've been in Vegas for a week and a half already. So I'm here for two weeks in total. So wow. Yeah, yeah. It's good, though, getting to kind of see it because yeah. you don't really get to come to the States and it's very different. The culture is very different. Like, it's funny because it's so similar, but all the small differences. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. But it's, it's good. So hopefully get to see some nature as well and get out of all the lights and noise. Yeah. Even Taco Bell. Have you been down to Taco Bell? Yeah, where it's, it's like a club and you can yeah. get married in there. Live Moss. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. It's yeah. so insane. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Like I, I, I tell people from outside of the U.S. that this is this is as America as it gets. Yeah. Like, like really, like you, can't, you can't beat it because you could rent a machine gun or mm-hmm. a Lamborghini or, like, take a helicopter ride or you, or whatever you want. Eat, like, 10 pounds of bacon yeah. and it's all yeah. right here. Yeah. And there's that heart attack place where if you weigh over, like, I don't know what oh, it is in pounds. It's, like, but 400. Yeah, if you yeah, weigh over 400 crazy, pounds, you eat for free. free. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's insane. Like, oh. Yeah. So intense. So America. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> but finding vegan food is very, very interesting. There's not many options on the strip, but getting through. <laughs> yeah. Did you get one of those lists that they had down at registration and had a bunch of different restaurant options on yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple places around, but most of them are more like 20 minutes mm-hmm. out. Um, so trying to find time like in between classes and things like that to get out and get food. Yeah. It's a little bit limiting. Um, but it is a lot better than last year. I've noticed there's some more places popping up. So that's that's awesome. Well, I think it's because Las Vegas just, they want that tourist money. And they know, you know, okay, how many vegans are coming here every year? If Why don't we why don't we sell them food? Make a yeah. restaurant for them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's good that they're including everyone as well so you don't feel left out. And it's like, hey, let's all go for dinner. Dang, yeah. I can't eat anything. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Uh, did you come by yourself or did other people from your shop come with you? I had um, Suzanne, who's our studio manager, and Nick, who is our apprentice, come as well. So that was really, really good. Um, Suzanne's been four or five times now, I believe, and it was Nick's first year. So that was really, really good for him to cool. kind of get to meet everyone and learn lots um i'm very envious of nick he is one of probably the only person i know who's actually had the opportunity to do a proper apprenticeship because wow. <laughs> everyone where i come from just starts mm-hmm. you just the same just you like here's yeah. your stuff <laughs> yeah just throwing the deep end yeah. here's your quick two minute tutorial off you go um and then you just kind of go from there so yeah it's really really nice being able to see someone have the opportunity to learn everything properly and go through it and then He's he's so amazing. He's so talented already. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I wanna I wanna try to make it to Australia within mm-hmm. like maybe the next year or so, and I think I yeah. wanna try to do some seminars there. Yeah, you definitely should. Yeah. I think that would that would work out really really well. Yeah. There's quite a few people there who I think that would definitely benefit, and it's good seeing even some pieces that are working in those kinds of places that are still coming to conference and are still trying to kind of 
better themselves, even though I know as a company they're not going to change, but the fact that the actual peers of themselves has the ethics behind it and that they would kind of come to things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that'd be really good. That's great. Yeah, I definitely want to. I'm just trying to figure out how to... The logistics. Actually do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll figure it out one day. Yeah, cool. yeah. Gonna awesome. make it over. <laughs> well, thanks for talking to me. I yeah, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Uh, one more time. What's your like social media info and shop info? Um, so my name is Jess. My Instagram is jeweled by Jess Rose, um, and I work at the Piercing Urge in Melbourne, Australia. Right. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks for talking to me, Jess, and thanks for talking to me, Jason, and thanks for listening, you out there in the uh, internet world. I'm going to be heading to Russia, going to have some fun there, hang out with Paul King for a couple of days, try not to snore too much and have him murder me, uh, hopefully get out and see St. Petersburg a little bit and kind of see where it goes from there. Just as a reminder, I've got all those different classes. You can go to precisionbodyarts.com seminars. You can follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook, yada yada, come and pierce some bananas and learn about piercing and stuff. You can buy my shirts online. I've got a new one that I'm going to unveil probably within the next two weeks. It's going to be a, a really, really stupid piercer pun. I made a small run. Hopefully people will buy them. Um, it's basically going to be uh, a tank top. I don't want to give too much away. It's going to be really stupid and it'll be online shortly. So I'll, I'll let you know. Believe me, I'll let you know. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, Patreon. I've got that Patreon page. So if you're one of those folks and you want to support the page and etc cetera, etc cetera, uh, I'm not gonna like really push it too hard on you but you know if you want to chip in a couple of bucks you can help pay for the, um, the hosting or the equipment or the time or what whatever the bullshit you know patreon patreon.com uh, backslash Ryan PBA is mine you can sign up and you can get bonus information uh, whenever I put that online or whatever. I don't know. I feel weird asking for money. Uh, so I will be back next week with another interview. I'm not exactly sure who it's going to be. I am down to, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more uh, available from ones that I already have pre recorded. So I've got Lola and John and Caitlin from Scarab. I've got uh, Bronco. I've got Jacob. I've got Laura. I've got Hawaii. I've got Darren. I've got some good interviews for you, so keep coming back. Piercing Wizard Podcast. I'll be here until the end of the goddamn world making podcasts for piercer nerds. So, the end. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.